Hey there, I'm Jo, and this is Looking Outside. Join me and some of the most influential and original thinkers in business and beyond as we explore fresh takes on familiar topics. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Looking Outside. Today is a really special episode and a very rare opportunity. I'm filming live podcasts right here from the Dubai Future Forum, the largest gathering of futurists in the world, in the one place for two days. They have a dedicated pod for podcasting. And I am joined today to share some reflections around what's happening at this event and how it's connected to what we do day to day. I'm joined here today by someone very, very exciting to, to come on the podcast, Joseph Hargrave from Arup. Hey, Joseph, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to meet you and pleasure to be here. Tell us who you are. Um, so my name is Joseph Hargrave. Uh, I'm the director for Foresight at Arup. Um, we're a global engineering, design, architecture, consulting company um, focused on the future of the built environment and sustainable development. Amazing. And how did you get into that? Oh, my God. Uh, I got into, in, into Foresight, I guess, a, a long, long time ago. I studied innovation management at the Alliance Manchester Business School. Uh, which always had a strong academic force, focus on foresight. Uh, so I first got exposed there, um, then started my career working uh, in Germany at Zpunkt, which is a small boutique consultancy focused on foresight for the German industrial sector predominantly. Then set up my own company for, for three years uh, working in London and then joined Arab 13 years ago. So I've been there a long, long time uh, doing foresight. Uh, in this one company, but working all over the world. So mm. I've worked in, in uh, I think, over 20 countries and over 30 cities and delivered wow. projects all over the place. Some easy, some really hard, <laughs> but most of them fun. Yeah, yeah lots of varied uh, touch points across the foresight journey as well. I yes. imagine like you would have employed lots of different tools and methods and engaged yes. with many different types of yes. topics to explore during that time. Yeah. So what, what's kind of one foresight project that you've done that's kind of stayed close to your heart? Uh, I've done a lot of work in Asia, and I, I think I just I'm just fascinated by by you know the, the culture in Japan and 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 China, and I've worked a lot in Hong Kong and also in Singapore. And for some reason, I have a, an affinity for that part of the world. It might be the food, it might be the people, but I, I certainly have an affinity. So it, it's sometimes less about the topic and more mm. about the people I work with, I, mm -hmm. I guess. But there's there's a few that are really interesting. Um, we did a vision for um, the future campus of, of the VTC in Hong Kong, which was the Vocational Training Council. Mm. Um, they actually train more people than anyone else in Hong Kong, and that ranges from people who work in the hospitality industry. You might be you know, cleaning rooms and learning how to use 20 different types of vacuum cleaners, mm. all the way to people working in banking and finance. And it was just fascinating to think about what kind of campus environment uh, you might need for an organization like that uh, uh, and uh, think about the trends shaping the future of learning and work and, 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 and all of those things. So that was memorable. Um, I also worked for um, Mitsubishi in, in Japan to think about the future of elevators. Uh, the museum has <laughs> quite some interesting uh, elevators here. Sure does. Uh, and uh, that, was, that, was, that was interesting to think about, mm. you know, the future of vertical transportation to, to 2050. So we, so we have these projects at Arab that tend to combine um, foresight practice with this specific focus on the built environment. So the future of buildings is, 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 a, is a big theme, the future of cities, and then those kind of topics that go across. So maybe water, maybe energy, maybe waste, um, those cross thematic areas that, that shape a lot of what the built environment is. Mm. Um, so speaking yeah. of the built environment, there's yes. two, two questions I have for you, but let's start there with where you ended off. 
So a lot of the changes that we talk about that we want to enact in the world and a lot of these innovative ideas that are at the moment conceptual, they need to come to life in the grounded environments that we live in and the systems that kind of govern all of that. So I love that the work that you do is really bringing it down to the tangible infrastructure that we're building to enable some of this change. Do you think that based on, I guess, how you engage with lots of different organizations or individuals that we sometimes forget that, that it really needs to come down to not just creating concepts, but really executing them through infrastructure changes? Yeah, um, I mean, I always try to stress that the future is not about the future, it's about the present. And I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on that. But um, if, if you think about, for example, a major piece of infrastructure like the Dubai Metro, yeah, let, we're here in right. Dubai, let's let's talk about that for a second. So the, the, the concept of that metro would have, you know, been developed a long time ago, and then it took a long time to do the planning, the construction, the execution, and now you've got a metro system that is, is kind of operational for decades ahead. Mm. So in the early stages of those design processes, you're making decisions about a piece of infrastructure that's going to be around for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So you have to take that future operating context into account, and you have to think about you know what will be future climatic conditions, what will be future realities around technology and regulation, what will be um, you mm. know new user needs and expectations. And then translate that back into what would we like to know about the future, what should we know about the future, and what do we absolutely have to know about the future to make better decisions today. Mm. So foresight is all about you know improved decision making in the present. It's so that's mm. why I always say mm. it's, it's you know it's it, it's about taking it back to the present. Mm -hmm. uh, and the challenge with that is that it's relatively easy to identify what's changing in the world. You know, everyone can bash out a mega trend report or you know <laughs> access the latest latest trends online. That's yeah. like that's the easy bit. That's not where the effort should be the effort should be on contextualizing it. So what does it mean for my investment decision, my design decision, whatever. Mm. And what has helped us at Arab in that is that we try to combine foresight expertise um, with design expertise. So we might, mm. for example, uh, when we did the project for the VTC, we collaborated with, with our architects and they could then translate our idea around, you know, the need for flexible space design into um, space guidance, which would mm. actually be used by um, uh, by the architects or, or by the client in this case to to form the architectural brief. So you really want to kind of make that long connection between here's what's changing and, and, and here what, here's what we can do about it. Mm -hmm. in, another example, we worked for the MTR in Hong Kong, which is the, the kind of the transit authority there. So they're responsible for, for their entire transit network. Um, and did a mega trends uh, process with, with their executive board. Um, mm. And one of the things we looked at is the aging population, which is one of the most well-known megatrends. But how do you go from something that is quite abstract, okay, the world is aging, to a, mm. a decision that the executive body could take? And in that instance, it was first of all about analyzing, okay, so how is Hong Kong really aging? So right. let's look at it. Let's think about the different parts of the, of the city that are aging at, at mm. what speeds and so forth and what does that future profile look like? Um, then thinking about the implications on the system. So older people tend to move slower, tend to have, <laughs> you know, different mobility needs. Mm -hmm. And Hong Kong is a super high-paced environment. Yeah, mm -hmm. The escalators go about twice the speed as they go in Europe or anywhere else. So you need to then think about, okay, maybe in the future things need to be slowed down. Maybe the trains need to go at a different speed. Maybe the escalators need to go at a different speed. Maybe we need to retrofit lifts and so forth, make the environment much more accessible. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, the executive decided to um, start a lift investment program uh, that was focused on where Hong Kong was kind of aging the fastest 
and also put together a design guide that could be used for station refurbishment or new station design that would take into account the needs of elderly people. So again, we've gone from highly abstract, the world is aging, <laughs> to all right, let, let's do this as an organization mm. uh, and, and, and take those conclusions. And that's the, you know, that's the art of foresight. That's, that's the hard thing for all of us working in right. the space is to contextualize it and make it, make it tangible. Yeah, and it's such a critical point that you're hitting on there is the contextualization. And particularly, you know, thinking about the, the biggest gathering of futurists in the world. So what is it? I think 3,000 futurists something like that, yeah. or something two, like that. Two or 3,000, yeah. Two or 3,000 yeah, yeah. that are here today. And when we're engaging with them on these breaks, you know, we hear from people who are doing foresight across a varied culture cultures, industries, government, academia, different corporations. So, I mean, you've been doing foresight for a long time now, and you, you probably, when you started, didn't didn't see that level of focus and resourcing against foresight versus where it is now and events like this that bring us all together. And I think what's really interesting is that um, throughout my journey, at least, at foresight, Arab is kind of heralded as one of the companies that are doing it the best and you know really setting the stage for the rest of us who are now you know trying to not only do foresight well but to going back to that point that you made do it in a contextually relevant way across all of these different industries and and countries and companies so two-pronged question for you then is just knowing that arab is you know seen as the the shining light of what foresight uh looks like when it's done well and also understanding that you know there is no one size fits all that everyone needs to tailor foresight to what is relevant for their organization or for their you know culture market stakeholder like how do you tackle that from inside of the organization both the pressure um, and the the need to tailor yeah i mean the the history of foresight at arab is quite an interesting one because you know like like the field itself we've we've also evolved in terms of the methodologies that ma now matter to us, that the, the type of work that we do. So, for example, more recently, we've become a little bit more speculative in, in addition mm. to the more perhaps strategic and analytical nature that we've had for, for a long, long time. It's not about okay. a, a total pivot, but it's about kind of a shift in, 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 in proportion. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, you know, first of all, I think... I, I don't think we're necessarily the best out there. I think we're good at kind of um, sharing what we do, and I think people mm. appreciate that we that we share what we do. Um, but there's really amazing organisations out there who do, you know, equally if 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 not better work. And we tend, you know, we we continue to be inspired by by them as well. So, for example, the the work of the Copenhagen Institute, uh, yes. you know, which is which is uh, always something that we we look towards. Um, but I, I mean, foresight is useful to Arab because we've, we've made ourselves useful, right. <laughs> makes sense as a, yeah. and, and that can take many different forms. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, we've got a, a very diverse team now that is responsible for uh, a wide range of application areas of foresight. So we, mm. we do thought leadership, which is important for, for branding and differentiation. We do um, strategy implementation, which is, you know, helps, helps the firm transform and adapt over time. We do work around mindset and leadership, which is about, you know, our, our, our members and our leaders having a broader horizon. And, and taking into account new themes. Mm -hmm. um, we do just workshop facilitation because sometimes mm -hmm. people just need to be helped with a good conversation. And that's not always pure foresight, but it, it applies foresight methodology for, for the mm -hmm. purpose of something else. So mm -hmm. I think making yourself useful to, mm -hmm. to, to the organization you are part of is, is a critical enabler of, of being successful over a long period of time and also being adaptable because, of course, Arab has changed around us, right? It's gotten way bigger, way more diversified. Um, 
way more professional in many ways than it, than it used to be because when you're 10,000 people, it's, it, it's a different mm. you know, requirement to when you're 20,000 people in terms of governance and structure and so forth. So mm -hmm. there's lots of changes in the organization that we're trying to, um, to, to grow with and as a consequence adapt our practice to as well. Yeah. 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 And so um, Arab, in the context of all of these different types of organizations that we're a part of now with this Dubai Future Forum, yeah. um, what do you think is the most exciting part about Arab being a part of that, of your organization having a kind of a, a seat at the table, if you will, inside of this broader conversation around futurism and foresight? Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, you and I, we, we will all come from a slightly different school of, of foresight and futures, mm -hmm. right? If that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, we, we, we all had bosses at one time that kind of taught us how to do things. And as a consequence, you know, very few of us have had formal training at, at university level. Even mm -hmm. there, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's very much driven by the flavor of who's, who's standing in front of mm -hmm. you. So, um, so many realities exist in, in futures and foresight practice in terms of what it is and how to do it. And loads of people think their method is the best and, and, and whatever. So I think the first thing to, to kind of recognize is, is this diversity. Uh, and I think that's, so that's one of the really interesting things here is that you rarely get an opportunity to come together with other practitioners at, at such a high density. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can have lots of conversations around, you know, how do you practice foresight in your context? What are, you know, what are the challenges and opportunities and, and, and pain points and, and what can we learn from each other? The other thing that is, is really notable about the forum this year is, is that it has become much more diverse in terms of emerging foresight practitioners from younger generations, but also mm -hmm. from regions that maybe haven't been as represented before. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we have a strong interest, for example, in the future of the African continent. Oh. Uh, it's, it's a massive place of urban expansion. Right. Um, it's where a lot of um, our collective future will be written because, you know, if Lagos will eventually be the biggest city in the world, for example, it's right. in everyone's interest to ensure that that urbanization happens at a sustainable, yes. in a sustainable way, right? Because mm -hmm. otherwise you have uh, emission challenges and waste challenges that maybe could be avoided by um, applying some of the knowledge from, from other regions. So, mm -hmm. so gaining access to these individuals who are working in those spaces is really interesting for us as an organization because we haven't perhaps got the scale of that network ourselves and right. so yeah so yeah. practitioners from new markets is, is particularly interesting here right and having the direct access to them even in the sense of having a conversation sure. a casual conversation sure. in the foyer sure. Sure. And just um which i think is equally as useful as attending sessions where you're learning from them right or yeah. having like formally uh, constructed council meetings. Yeah. It's just having those informal conversations and understanding what their challenges are and what they're... Yeah, one might argue on. that the informal ones are actually more... <laughs> <laughs> more than the I didn't ones. want to say it. You said it. No, no, but it's, it's, it's a different... It's a different um, it de depends on for what, right? Yes. So it's definitely... The, the conversations happening around the place are... Mm more valuable for relationship building yeah, yeah, yeah and the sure. sessions are more useful for um knowledge sharing right, and knowledge yeah. gathering and, and, and listening and and you know shaping your own thinking i mean yeah. you, you don't sit there make notes when you're chatting to someone one-to-one mm. -one, right but in a, mm. in a session you, your mind can wander and that's very useful at times yeah that's that's very true yeah, yeah. sometimes we feel bad about our mind wandering but then the wandering kind of probably leads you into the so oh, what yeah. for your organization yeah. which is really useful no i solve loads of problems when i'm at conferences that i wouldn't oh, have had time nice. to solve yeah i'm always texting my boss going hey i just had a great <laughs> yeah. idea 
yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the danger of sending us to conferences. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one good. last question for you. Yep. Obviously, we're incredibly lucky to do what we do inside yep. of Foresight and to, and to kind of practice um, futures thinking for a living, getting paid for it, and, and obviously a privilege to come to events like this. If you weren't in the Foresight space or in the future space, what would you be doing? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I've got a, I've got a general <laughs> interest in a lot of things. So it's quite a complete, I mean. Fly you know, fishing? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, I, I don't know whether it's a good idea to make your passion your job. Um, it, mm, some people can do that very well. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, anyway, there's a, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'd probably do something in the art and design space. I do, I, I'm okay. a big fan of, of art and design in general. Also, I always had this weird idea of opening my own Chinese restaurant, despite the fact that I've got no oh, Chinese heritage, but I do like uh, food, from, <laughs> food from China. <laughs> what uh, is it about that that interests you? Is like having your own shop or... Yeah, just creating like something, crafting food. something, you know. I, right. this, yeah. In general, I like crafting things, yeah, if that yeah. makes sense in the statement. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, we do craft things in our daily, day-to-day professional practice right now as well. But they are like reports and not stunning pieces of art or beautiful bits mm. of food or whatever, mm. right? So I think, yeah, yeah. I think we sometimes are a bit disconnected from our making self, which is probably very much inherent in, in who we are as humans. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that that's the point that you ended on because it, it kind of um, seems like a counter, but it's actually very complementary with the point that you made earlier around making yourself useful. Yeah. It's kind of balancing the creative nature of us as human beings with being very kind of practical yes. and implementing what yeah. we, what we yeah. can do. So, yeah. yeah, really fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review or share the show and I will see you next time. Until then, keep looking outside.